Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Listen now to God's word. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that you will open this scripture for us this morning, that you will speak your words to us. Spirit, come down and move in our hearts as we reflect on on this passage. And we pray that you will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Is your heart troubled? There are plenty of reasons that we could point to to say that our hearts might be troubled, even just this week. Perhaps just the the overall coronavirus and its effect on people physically. Perhaps the economic fallout of the the shutdown that's happened in response to the virus. Or perhaps you're scared of these murder hornets that are apparently invading the U.S. There's lots of stories that could trouble our hearts this week. There's one story that's troubled my heart more than any other story this week. Uh, It's a story that went viral about a young black man who was killed in Georgia. Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed on February 23rd. After the case went viral on social media this week, a few arrests were finally made in what appears to have been a racially motivated ambush. Each week as we come to worship, there's no shortage of stories that could trouble our hearts. And yet we come today and we hear these words of Jesus in John 14, 1. The very beginning of our scripture this morning, he says, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't know about you, but I need to hear the voice of Jesus this morning speaking to me saying, do not let your heart be troubled. The disciples, too, had plenty of reasons for their hearts to be troubled. This same word that's translated here as as troubled appears three times in the chapters immediately preceding this one. And the best way to understand how uh, we're supposed to to figure out what a word means is to look at how the same author is using that same word. In chapter 11, uh, Jesus says his spirit is troubled at the death of Lazarus Lazarus, and those who grieve uh, his passing. In chapter 12, Jesus' spirit is troubled when he speaks about his coming death. In chapter 13, Jesus' spirit is troubled when he begins to tell his disciples that one of them will betray him. And now here in chapter 14, we begin what is commonly called the farewell discourse. Uh, Beginning at chapter 14 and the, the, the chapters that follow right after it are Jesus preparing his disciples for his death, his crucifixion and his eventual ascension um, out of their physical presence. He is saying goodbye. And this is coming from the one they've been following for three years. The one that they believe to be the hope of Israel. The restoration of all Israel. And he even just told Peter at the end of chapter 13 that Peter will deny him three times. This is surely enough to trouble their hearts. Yet when Jesus speaks to them, the first thing he says in chapter 14 is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Allow yourself to hear that phrase from Jesus this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. As we explore what comes next in this passage, we're going to focus on two parts of of the scripture this morning. There are two main questions that will guide us. Now really, these are two parts to the same question that Thomas himself asks Jesus in verse 5. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? This was a common way of, of teaching uh, back then. A rabbi would, would, would say something and then the, the disciples or the followers of that rabbi would then pose questions about that to prompt these teachings. And so uh, we get this question from Thomas. We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? So the first question is, where is Jesus going? Where is he headed? And then the second will be, what is the way there for the disciples? So first, where is Jesus going? Our first clue comes from the very beginning of chapter 13. It says this, Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. He's going simply to the Father. And then here in chapter 14, uh, Jesus expands on what that means for him to go to the Father. 
He says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. A key to understanding this place that Jesus is going is to dig into what he means by dwelling places. Now, anyone around my age that grew up in the 90s with the uh, contemporary Christian music scene can't hear this verse without thinking about one song by Audio Adrenaline called Big House. Troy is nodding at me because he's about my age. This is a song that if you grew up in that era and you were into Christian contemporary music at all, is still stuck in your head. It was huge. It was everywhere there was Christian music. And it was extremely cheesy. (laughs) This song issued an invitation to come to a mansion, to come to a big, big house with lots and lots of room. I'm sure it's in your head, Troy. (laughs) With a big, big table with lots and lots of food and even play in this big, big yard where we can all play football. There we go. Yeah. This is what this song is is kind of taking from this verse. Suffice it to say, exploring what this actually means to go dwell in the Father's big house was beyond the theological scope of what Audio Adrenaline set out to do. Yet, it kind of sounds about right. It sounds kind of what my Uh, perception of what this verse was about really is. A mansion that has everything. See, for most of my life, I've had this kind of vague understanding of what Jesus is talking about here in John 14. I've understood it as, as a metaphor for life after death. That there's this place where all my desires for lots of room, food, and football with my friends would be satisfied. All of my desires, what I want. The problem is, if we really dig into this, it does not appear to be what Jesus is talking about at all. Sorry for all of you that are really missing football right now. Later in this chapter, we get another clue about what Jesus means when he's talking about these dwelling places. Because Jesus uses that same word again. Down in verse 10, he says, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. His works. And he speaks about him being in the Father and the Father being in him. This is the same word. This same word is used to describe where there is room being prepared for the disciples. That same word is what's used to describe the relationship between the Father and the Son. New Testament scholar Gail O'Day, in her commentary, explains that, in fact, the idea of location, of, of place, has consistently been used in the Gospel of John as a symbol for for relationship. In chapter 1, verse 18 of the same gospel, Jesus is described as being near to the Father's heart. Obviously uh, descriptive of the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
Throughout John, Jesus is described as the one who comes from heaven, which confirms his origins with God. And she explains that the parable about uh, the places of the son and the slave in the house in John 8 confirm this idea that God's house is about relationship and not exclusively about location. You see, throughout the gospel, where you are has a lot to do with relationship. In this verse in John 14, she says that uh, it is the relationship as much as any heavenly dwelling, per se, that there are many rooms. In that relationship with Jesus and the Father is where there are many rooms. This metaphor makes sense for us right now, doesn't it? This idea that place or location is more about relationship than a physical space. Right now, we're socially distancing ourselves from one another. But what suffers when we do that is not just in and of itself the close proximity to other people. It's our friendships. It's our carefully crafted communities. It's our relationships that suffer when we cannot be together. And so when Jesus says he is going to prepare a place for us, he's declaring That he is preparing room for us to dwell in the relationship. To dwell in the relationship that he himself shares with the Father. The rest of the story that's not yet told in John 14 is how he goes to prepare this place. But we know because we've read the rest of the story that it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that this place is prepared For us to be in this relationship. See, at first glance, I was a little bit confused when I looked at the lectionary passage for today. We're in the Easter um, um, part of the church calendar. We We are still celebrating Easter. Why are we now going back to this time prior to the resurrection of Jesus? And that's because this passage is pointing to what happens in the resurrection itself. What we are celebrating in Easter is that Jesus has, past tense, prepared a place for his disciples to be in relationship with the Father. Later in chapter 14, after what we read this morning, uh, Jesus will bring in the Spirit to complete the, the whole Trinitarian language of this this chapter in the Trinitarian language of that relationship. And so it's now with this understanding of the place Jesus is going, that it being the relationship with the Father, we turn to the second question. In response to Thomas, Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm guessing that didn't immediately clear up all of Thomas's questions. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is actually one of seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, The Gospel of John is kind of structured around these seven statements from Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate of the sheep, the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth and the life, and then 
shortly after this, the true vine. This is one of those seven I am statements. It says, I am the way. The disciples seem to want Jesus to give them some more thought out directions to the dwelling place that they're headed towards. I'm no different. I don't know about you, but often in my devotion time, I tend to slide into the idea of thinking about it as some sort of formula, seeking some special way to get closer to God. In times of service, I find myself, uh, again, sliding into the school of thought that by doing more, I will find myself closer to God. But these words of Jesus fit a consistent message that it is only through Him that we come to the Father. He not only makes a way, He Himself is the way. Knowing that just stopping there would be very confusing, Jesus clarifies how He is the way. And this is more obvious in the original language than it is in Greek. But He says, I am the way, and then clarifies what it means to be the way by saying, I am the truth and the the life is by acknowledging that Jesus is the truth and the source of our life that he becomes the way. To acknowledge Jesus as truth is to, to declare that he reveals God to the world, that he reveals the righteousness of God and the truth about who he is. And so to, to, to acknowledge Jesus as truth is to declare that he reveals God to the world. He himself is that revelation of God. If you know Jesus, you come to know the truth about who God is. And the more you know Jesus, the more you know the truth about who God is. To acknowledge Jesus as the life is to acknowledge that in Him we are given new life. Again, this is something that's consistent throughout John's Gospel. In chapter 1, we are told that all things came into being through Him, through the Word, through Jesus. All life sprang into being through Him. Just a few chapters before this, we're told the story of Lazarus and how he is risen from the dead by Jesus. Jesus is the giver of life. And so I ask you, do you know the way? Have you met Jesus and experienced him as the truth and as the life? It is only through our acceptance of his invitation to share in his relationship with the Father. It's only through that acceptance of that invitation that we come to the Father, that we come to dwell in that dwelling place that's being prepared and has been prepared for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And now we still can have righteous anger about things in this world, about injustices we see. This does not mean that we're indifferent about things that we say could have troubled our hearts. It means we're given peace, even in the midst of that righteous anger. And it's through that peace that we can heed Jesus' words when we hear him say to us, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you do not just save us from our sin, but then leave us to be in in anguish when we look around and we see uh, the things that could trouble our hearts in this life. God, that you long for right now us to all dwell in the place that has been prepared for us, that is relationship with you. So God, we pray that during this time when we are separated physically, that we will go stronger in our dwelling in you, that we will rely on our relationships with you. Jesus, speak to us time and time again these words of comfort that in the midst of sorrow, do not let your hearts be troubled. Amen.